Welcome to the Gifts Compass podcast. My name is Nicholas Toko and I'm an organizational effectiveness consultant and currently training as a Jungian analyst in Zurich, Switzerland. I'm from London in the UK and my family origins are from Uganda in East Africa. My name is James Johnston. I'm the author of the book, Jung's Indispensable Compass and the lead architect for the Gifts Compass inventory. I live in the United States, currently in Northwest Ohio. My name is Annelise Lannesais. I am a self-awareness and mental fitness coach, and I work with individuals wanting to add more meaning and enjoyment to their life. I am from Estonia and currently living in Geneva, Switzerland. This podcast is about the Gifts Compass Inventory, or GCI. The GCI offers a fresh approach to Swiss psychologist Carl Jung's original eight psychological types. The well-validated and broadly acclaimed Gifts Compass Inventory focuses on the personal growth and development of unique individuals. This is our inaugural podcast, and we are so excited to share our understanding of type with you. We're passionate about type, and our aim is to help you understand type, how to use type to better understand yourself, to have better relationships at home, in a social setting, or in the workplace. So to begin, James, will you tell us something about the Gifts Compass Inventory? Sure. The Gifts Compass Inventory illustrates a person's dispositions for each of Jung's original eight psychological types. It is not a personality assessment. Rather, it considers Jung's types as sets of gifts or aptitudes inherent in each type. We illustrate those eight gifts as a compass. Jung frequently spoke of his psychological type model as a compass. The gifts compass illustrates dispositions for each of the eight gifts, as well as broader orientations to life shown as orientations and headings on the compass. The GCI was born out of a seeming need to articulate Jung's model in a more nuanced and flexible way and one that could depict dispositions, not just for the lead and auxiliary types, but all the way down to what Jung called the shadow or those types that are simply less accessible to an individual. Individuation, Jung's term for the fuller expression of the unique individual personality is a key centerpiece of analytical psychology And the GCI has been useful to depth psychologists in understanding the types in relation to that all-important process. But the GCI is also quite useful for many aspects of life that we will consider in this and later podcasts. So how does type play out in life? Why is it important? What does it mean for you as an individual, for your relationships, for your family, and in the workplace? Let's tell you a little bit about our preferences. Annalise? My preference is in the lover quadrant. My leads are in introverted feeling and introverted intuition. And when I think how this has played out throughout my life, I always continue to learn our inner motivations and how we are different. I did that since I first learned about psychological types, starting around university. 
And even though I started out in a sales career, something that wasn't an obvious match to my preference, I did not have all the understanding awareness I have now, but I found it fascinating to understand how our clients are different from us and into which quadrants they go to and how they think. For example, when I met a sovereign, I knew what, how to adapt my language and what would be interesting for them to hear. Or if I met a warrior, which really stressed me out because they thought in a totally different way, but they wanted to know more about what is the bottom line for this product or that, and what are the technical features and how is it credible? Versus the sovereign wanted it to be cool and trendy. So I found all of that fascinating. And, and this has helped me to make sense out of relationships, out of workplace team dynamics, and etc. When I completed the Gifts Compass inventory for my own purposes to develop a personal profile, I dutifully followed the explicit instructions, which tell an individual to look back on one's life and remember the experiences that were most enjoyable. And I look back on my life and I found three experiences that I used as my experiences in completing the assessment. And once I had laid those experiences out and completed the assessment, I realized that virtually the same gifts had been used in each of them. So when I was a sophomore in high school, I was in a biology class and we were studying the way bees do their dance to communicate with one another. And it occurred to me that there was a better way for the bees to do their dance. So I studied their process and then came up with a better dance for the bees. And unfortunately, I couldn't communicate it to them. But it was the process that was exhilarating for me. It was a process where sort of time stopped as I was investigating, researching, understanding, and then developing a solution and the second experience I used came from my graduate work when I was studying architecture. I had the good fortune to be a teaching assistant in an urban design studio led by the chief architect for a new city in India. And they had a master plan that they'd already developed. But in thoroughly researching Indian culture and economics and understanding environment and climate and topology, it occurred to me that there was a better way to organize the master plan so that the people of India, especially the people living in the countryside, could have greater opportunities to create community and find employment. So that was the second experience. And then the third experience was later in life, bumping into Carl Jung's work and psychological types and in an understanding some of what was out there and available in terms of interpreting his model, it seemed to me that there was a better way. So again, thorough research into Jung's model, not just the model of psychological types, but its relationship to what Jung called individuation, the complete development of the individual personality. So the tremendous amount of research, and again, looking for what we architects call an elegant solution to a complex problem. And out of that was born really the Gifts Compass, and along with it, a book to articulate the intellectual foundation for all of that. 
So it was interesting, and it hadn't occurred to me until I filled out those three experiences that virtually the same gifts were being used over and over again in those experiences, each time more intensively and more elaborately to help the bees find a different way to dance. It took about an afternoon to reorganize a master plan for a new city in India. It took about four months, and then thoroughly diving into Carl Jung's work, reading the collected works and other elements, both secondary sources and Jung's original work, took years. And then to develop the compass and make it available to people, that took years. But in each case, I was using the same fundamental gifts. And those gifts were, for me, the lead probably that I can see over and over in my life would be the visionary gifts, introverted intuition. And along with those, the catalytic gifts, extroverted intuition. And those two are probably my two lead gifts, introverted intuition and extroverted intuition. And along with those, the conceptual gifts, introverted thinking, and the idealistic gifts, introverted feeling. Because in each case, part of my motivation was to add value, to do something significant for others. So that introverted feeling piece was the idealistic gifts played a significant role in all that as well. So through reviewing those three experiences, I became clearer about which gifts had really led my personal biography over time. So my earliest memories of my type preference, which is extroverted sensation, I can really go back to my early childhood between the ages of two to five, my lead gifts or preferences, extroverted sensation. It made me really consider this idea of nature versus nurture. As I got older, I became aware of Jung's psychological types and I understood how those types manifested in me, so to speak. I grew up in Pittsburgh in the US and I have some really distinct memories of engaging extroverted sensation. And just to give an example, I remember coming back from school one day and my mother was in the kitchen cooking and I asked her, so what's for dinner tonight? And I had this sinking feeling we're going to have meatloaf again. For anyone who (laughs) grew up in the States, you know that meatloaf was a culinary specialty on the dinner table in the US. And I absolutely hated it. And I was very young at the time. I always used to dread this meal and my mum looked at me and was incredibly upset because I responded by saying oh brother when she told me we're having meatloaf for dinner and I recall being asked to sit on the chair for hours food for me was the taste of food and having this having some kind of sophisticated taste and smell as well was very apparent to me as a child I also recall a family member visiting us in the U.S. from Uganda a very close family relative of my dad And he wore an aftershave that I just really disliked. And he stayed for us for about a week. And I just remember feeling quite ill, actually, throughout that week because of his aftershave. But again, I was very attuned to to smell, which is a hallmark of extroverted sensation. I also recall going to a Sunday barbecue in Pittsburgh with some family friends. And I left the family gathering to go into this barn and I found a hammer and I and some nails. And I started playing with this hammer and nail and I accidentally hit my finger and there was blood everywhere, but I wasn't in pain. I was actually quite spellbound by the sight and smell of blood. Now that may sound very gory, but again, this was extroverted sensation, right? Very much sight, sounds and smells. 
Another example I'll give as well, this is on the 4th of July. I remember going to see a fireworks show in Pittsburgh, 4th of July, Independence Day in the US. And I was completely afraid of the fireworks and particularly the sounds. And again, I was very young between the ages of probably two to five. And these are all very vivid memories for me. So for me, I often wondered whether this lead gift of mine is was something I was born with or did it develop in me because I was living in the US. The US is a classic extroverted sensation country, I think. James will probably agree. It's an interesting question for me, right? But I know from a very young age that extroverted sensation has been a lead function in me through my adolescence and becoming an adult. I was involved in lots of sports. I played football, rugby. I was in the swimming team. I was in the athletics team. And even in my work as an organizational effectiveness consultant, my work is all about helping organizations transform. And that requires a lot of energy, a lot of being able to get things done. And that's always been uh, a strength for me. I do have an interesting dynamic, which is my inferior function, which is the gift that we least prefer. I have a classic tension of opposites of extroverted sensation and introverted intuition. Um, I'm now training as an analyst in Zurich in Switzerland. And so I'm starting to engage my inferior function in my life and trying to find the balance between the two. I think I've got there. It's still, there's still a tension. I'm enjoying my training here in Switzerland, but yes, that gives you an idea of my preferences in terms of extroverted sensation. That's a nice illustration of what Jung called the integration of opposites and as a key part of the process of individuation. And I would chime in with you, Nick, that yes, extroverted sensation is clearly one of the lead types as a culture here in the United States. I think also extroverted intuition plays a significant role. And just a footnote to your comment about meatloaf. Meatloaf was Pat Nixon's favorite meal. She was the wife of Richard Nixon. That's how prominent the, the enjoyment of meatloaf was at one time in the history of the United States. Yeah, I think this is in the 70s, right? So I lived in the US in the late 70s. President Carter was was in the office and I think Nixon had obviously just left the yeah. White House. But yeah, meatloaf was quite a thing, right? Yeah, fortunately, it's not as in as great of a favor today as it was then. Yeah. I found it super interesting, actually, this idea of thinking of the countries, what, what types they are, because... For example, when I lived in Estonia and I moved to Finland, I felt that Finland was a much better match for me because Estonia is super entrepreneurial. So you have to be doing something new. It's very fast paced in a way and very spontaneous versus Finland. You can just be in peace and nobody disturbs you and you can write down your ideas and be in your own thoughts, which I enjoyed a lot. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, yeah so it would be interesting to analyze different countries as well. I agree. I think I then grew up in, in the UK and I think the UK for me is predominantly probably introverted sensation. It's very steeped in tradition and the past and the history. It mm. really informs UK life now is based on what's happened in the past. And I've got to say for me, talking about countries, the countries that have really appealed to me are the US. When I'm in the US, I feel at home. I've got a lot of friends in Washington, DC. I'd like to move there at some point. I really feel at home in the US. Whereas in the UK, I feel a little bit held back by the history. I think that's a classic sign of intimate sensation, James. 
Yeah, it could be introverted sensation, maybe along with extroverted feeling, strong attention to history and the norms. But introverted sensation also has this almost a magical connection to the past, very attentive to the past. And I can see how the United States might feel comfortable for you. I know your lead gifts would suggest would be quite congruent, really, with the culture in the United States. Plus, you grew up there, I believe. And Washington, D.C., maybe in particular, that's a very fast-moving, fast-paced culture, very politically oriented, very politically astute. So the culture of the United States is not homogeneous. We'll find different cultures throughout the United States in different regions. But mm. Washington, D.C., de definitely very political, very much warrior-oriented, extroverted yes. thinking, extroverted sensation, extroverted intuition. Yeah, and I was also struck by the Queen's funeral. I don't know if you both of you saw the funeral in the UK a few weeks ago. The yeah. the queuing to see, obviously, the Queen's coffin, but equally just the people involved watching the ceremony. And it was, and there was this real sense. I was in the UK at the time. I, that strange enough, just was in the UK in, by by coincidence for work. And I was really struck at how the country really united through the death of Queen Elizabeth. And but it was through their shared history that. England, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland just seemed to unify for a few weeks and days. And as soon as the funeral was over, um, yeah. the UK is back to squabbling over the cost of living crisis and Brexit and uh, Scotland want to go independent. So, yeah, I do think it's interesting, introverted sensation, which we're now talking about as a gift, really appreciative of the past and the far distant past as well. And the Queen, it's the symbol of the Queen is probably archetypal and is, it has a unifying effect. We in the United States wonder why the monarchy still persists in the UK, but it's so dear and important, apparently, to people who have been brought up in that culture and have that kind of orientation to life. It uh, seems quite important, but I do think it, it could also be a sort of manifestation of an archetypal energy towards king and queen, which would be consistent really with this idea that the, that the Brits really value their past. And in fact, we've got a whole quadrant on the gifts compass devoted to the king-queen energy, the sovereign quadrant. So, yeah. Fascinating. Now I have a better understanding why I really love living in Geneva. I think it's filled with idealistic values. All the UN organizations, yeah. lots of NGOs, a lot of organizations wanting to make the world a better place. So I've been able to make a lot of friends and now I understand what's the reason. Makes me yeah. curious to understand how it differs from Zurich. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Zurich is. I've been to Geneva. I've worked in Geneva briefly, and I've been there a couple of times on holiday. And you're right. You've just said something that I hadn't quite thought about, which is, yeah, it's very idealistic, right? All the idealistic NGOs are based in Geneva. Zurich, I feel, is money. It's the center of finance. It's a very affluent place. People here are very comfortable. The status quo is maintained at all times. It's not a transformational culture, I don't think. Zurich is still also quite traditional. But yeah, it'll be interesting to know what its type is. I would pick actually just one country I would suggest is, talking about inferior function, is India. So I went to India for six weeks and India for me is introvert intuition throughout the whole country. It's almost like a dreamlike experience when you go to India, very visionary itself and its culture and its traditions and its religions. So for me, spending quite a bit of time in India was quite Felt like almost like a dreamy <laughs> trip when I went there many years ago. 
Yeah, yeah. What a wonderful way to directly encounter your inferior function. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about what the value of the GCI is and knowing one's gifts. What's the value of the GCI to you and knowing your own gifts? Um, for me personally, it is really the most latest appreciation of my inner wisdom and understanding and being able to hear guidance from within. For me, like this deeper understanding of psychological types raises my self-awareness and understanding of myself. And it helps me to get into that positive spiral of self-listening, to notice the clues. And then through that, strengthening my guidance from within and the powerful inner wisdom that is inside us. I find this super useful to remind myself, take the pressure off in situations that normally really stress me out public speaking, for example, <laughs> or being in, in meetings when sometimes the inner voice starts to say something that is maybe not productive, but just calm myself down and, and put the focus on something else. For me, I just see so many applications of psychological types. But for me, I always come back to Jung's work and Jung's original application of psychological types, which is all about a person's biography the history and the future of that biography. It's about the personal growth and development. It's personal transformation. It's not about being stagnant. The GCI is just a snapshot in time and gives a person an indication of where each of the eight types are positioned at that moment in time. But with what Jung called individuation, personal development, those relationships change. The types are dynamic. And so they help to explain a person's biography, what a person has been drawn to, where they feel most comfortable, where they feel uncomfortable, what career pursuits have been most appealing, where their enthusiasm and their energy is coming from. But it also anticipates the future. If a person is developing through individuation, the Gifts Compass also reveals where they're headed. It's a picture of destiny as well as history. And I, I find the application of Jung's types to be especially useful and perhaps most profound in understanding an individual's biography and, and future life. Of course, there are all kinds of other applications for career, for teamwork, for relationships. And we'll be talking about those, I know, in future podcasts. But I think for Jung, it was primarily, what does this mean for what the individual is experiencing now? What have they experienced and where are they going in terms of their individuation process? I really like what you said, James, about destiny. I've got to say that's the one word that I picked up in Jung's writings, the collected works. I'm not sure it was in psychological types. That's the book to read to find out a bit more about Jung's psychological types. The idea of destiny really appealed to me because I thought it, it really helped me delve into types because I guess I wanted <laughs> to figure out my own destiny. But I think it really helped me better understand myself, my true self. I obviously, from a very young age, I obviously preferred extroverted sensation, but at some point, and I think this might be a culture issue, I started to identify with extroverted thinking. So when I did various personality assessments, I, extroverted thinking always came up as my preferred function. But like you, Annalise, I used to get quite nervous before presentations at work, or if I had to deliver a presentation, 
And I always used to wonder why that would happen to me because I'd almost feel I'm going to get stage fright. And when I started the presentation, I was absolutely fine. When I was in the moment, I'll deliver the presentation. But I was never really as interested in the Q&A session at the end because then they would ask me questions and I would have to answer in a detailed way. So I identified with extroverts in thinking because I think that was probably my Ugandan heritage as a lot of African African people, particularly I'm first generation African immigrant in the UK, you know, that you're told go to university, you need to become a doctor or an engineer, and it's all about learning. And so I put extrovert sensation aside for quite a long time. And as a business consultant, it, I was very successful. But later on in my life, I realized that obviously extra sensation was my preferred function. I do think it has a lot of value in the workplace. It can really help foster better relationships uh, with others, especially in teams. I've certainly encountered a lot of conflict in the workplace and I've helped companies sort of address uh, conflict. We look at team dynamics and you know, the GCI can be a really good way for people to appreciate other people's way of seeing the world, including their own. We often hear about personality clashes and differences in temperament, but there can also be significant differences in psychological type, which can adversely affect relationships. Having this appreciation of others and knowing and understanding oneself, but also continually developing and noticing how we function and react can really put you on that journey of self-discovery and development. And that's what I see as destiny right? It really puts you in a path to destiny. Yeah, I guess is what I'm trying to say here. Nice. So we will be exploring the applications of Gifts Compass in our future podcast, and you will have the opportunity to discover the value of Gifts Compass in various different contexts, such as relationships, career decisions, organizational settings, as well as how it can add value at different stages in our lives from teenage years through retirement and many more topics. The applications of Gifts Compass are wide and vast. To learn more about Gifts Compass, go to yourlifeatlas.com. And until next time. Mm-hmm.